Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your word and your truth. I just pray as we open up your word that you'd speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to our word, Romans 12. And as we look at Romans 12, I want to read verses 9 through 16 to give us the proper context. Our focal passage is going to be on verse 14. But I think that we all need to look at 9 through 16 together to kind of give us the right idea of what Paul is communicating here in our verses. So Romans 12, starting in verse 9, Paul wrote this. He said, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Now, verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Some commentators say that verse 14 is a break in the overall theme that Paul is writing about. Because it deals with the outside. Verses 9 through 16 deal with the inside, how we treat one another, how we live as believers, how we come together and congregate. So verse 14, if you look at it as, well, that's dealing with the outside. And we're going to get to that later on in 12. Some people say, well, that was a break in the thought. And you can take that view, and it doesn't really matter if you take that view. But I don't believe that it's a break. And the reason why I don't believe that it's a break is Paul, one, is not writing to an individual. He's writing to the church. He's writing to a group of people. And I think that verse 14 is telling us how our attitude should be as we congregate together. And we'll go into a little bit more detail with that. But if you bathe verse 14, bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse, with verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. It shows what our attitude should be to both people that we congregate with in people on the outside. But overall, there's a theme or there's a character or there's an accurate description of how a congregation should be. 
what our views should be, how we react. Now, verses 9 through 16, as I mentioned, is a guide for how Christians should love one another. And when you look at 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, and you combine that with 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, you combine those two, and it, as I already described, it's an attitude. It's an attitude. It's a spirit. All congregations have a spirit, don't they? If you've been in church life for years, you know that congregations have an overall spirit or attitude or view. And when we congregate together, we share our lives with one another. Now, let me make a shameless plug for Wednesday night. And I'm thrilled with our current attendance on Wednesday night. But if I could describe Wednesday night in Sunday, Sunday is when we come together to worship. And of course, you have Bible study that you can attend and, and get to know people as well. In Wednesday night, if I had to make a description on that, we are fulfilling verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We get to know one another. You can be transparent. You can get to know your brothers and sisters. And as Paul is writing 9 through 14, what he is telling us is, is that our natural attitude and theme as a congregation should be love. It should be love. Now this is opposite of the world, and we're going to look at that in a little bit more detail. But as we get together as brothers and sisters in Christ... And as we're together, if one of my brothers and sisters in Christ is hurting because they're going through a trial or a tribulation, that doesn't occur in a vacuum, right? If someone is persecuting you, someone is causing you to go through a trial, it's just how Paul wrote that he had a thorn in the flesh. And most people look at that and they refer to that as a physical ailment. That wasn't a physical ailment. That was a person. And so as you've come together as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, together congregating, and if one of my fellow brothers or sisters is going through a time of persecution because of somebody else, I could have a bad attitude about that, right? I could have a spirit of retribution, That's how the world takes it, right? An enemy of my friend is my enemy. But that's not what Paul is telling us to do as a church. He's saying, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. The congregation is built and we individually are built on love. On love. On a godly love. Well, what is godly love? I referred to this verse previously in another sermon. But 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, tells us what a godly love is. 1 John 4, verse 7, 
John wrote, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, if you just stop at verses 7 and 8, and you go, well, gee, yeah, that makes sense. We're loving as a congregation. And, And I love our church because this is our spiritual family. And if you look at 7 and 8, and you just stop there, you're not really challenged. But go to verse 9. In verse 9 it says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us, how did God love us? With the most sacrificial gift. It was so sacrificial that we don't really fully comprehend the depth of the love of God. And he's commanding us to love with a godly love. For us to be known as a person who loves with a godly love. Now let's go back to our focal passage. In Romans 12, verse 9, he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. If Paul tells us to love without hypocrisy, there's an inference there to a standard, isn't there? If I'm a hypocrite, it means that you are comparing me to a standard. And that standard is not my neighbor. That standard is God. Let love be without hypocrisy. What he's telling us is to love with a godly love. And that godly love is a standard not based upon the world. It's based upon the word and truth of God. And as he tells us to love without hypocrisy, he's telling us to bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. What did Christ say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's a godly love. That's a godly love. And through the Holy Spirit, we have been given the ability to strive to live with a godly love. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 sounds a lot like the Sermon on the Mount, but Luke chapter 6, it's the Sermon on the Plain. And it sounds familiar, but there's a difference in Luke 6. But if you look at Luke 6 and you look at verse 27, we're going to look at 27 through 36, and then we're going to kind of go into a little bit more detail on these verses. But these are the words of Christ. And Christ said in verse 27, He said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you 
To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods and do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. And if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And if that doesn't step on your toes, I don't know what will. It's convicting, isn't it? I mean, we have to be honest. As we read those verses, it is convicting. And not only is it convicting, but it is also unnatural in the sense of the world. But I want to point out as we love And as we have a love in action, I want you to look at verse 27. And I want to look at the commands that Christ is giving us in verse 27. Love, do good, bless, pray. This is the command of Christ. That we have an Love that is based upon action. Action. And it's a love towards those that are outside. And it's not easy. It's not natural. Compare that to the action of the world because you also see the action of the world in the words of Christ because they're opposite of what he's told us to do. Hate, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. So the world has hate. Hate, cursing, spite, violence. This is the characteristics of the world, right? You just have to turn on the TV or look at the computer or tune into the radio and you can see the characteristics of the world. And I think that this sermon is so appropriate today as we live in a time of increasing hostility because the world just isn't satisfied to be libertarian. What does the libertarian believe? You go do your thing, I'll do mine. Now they lied to us here about a decade ago. And they said, we just want the same rights. And I'm going to use homosexuality as an example in this. And I firmly believe that one day I have a chance of being arrested for my comments. And there are countries in the world where I would be arrested for my comments on what I'm fixing to say. But if you think back about eight to ten years ago, 
The homosexual community told us that they just want an even playing field. If we just would allow them to be legally married and have the legal representation in the courts and have access to that, that it was fine. It was a libertarian view. You go do your thing, I'll go do mine. That's not what they want. What they want is they want to be able to close our mouths in proclaiming that their life is a sin. They want exclusivity. They want normalization. And if you don't believe in that, they want to be able to charge you for a civil rights violation. They hate us. They hate us. That's a fact. And as we look at where we are in society today, I think it's so important that the church comes to grips with how we should act to a world that is going to hate us And Christ told us as we got to the end of times, which I firmly believe that we're in, that persecution would increase. And if I'm going to be persecuted, and if you're going to be persecuted, it involves a person. And here we are told to love. And how can I do that? How can you do that? Well, let me give you some pointers which are found in our scripture in Luke 6. Look at verse 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. There's a word that is repeated over and over by Christ in these verses. And it's the word credit. Credit. And to paraphrase the words of Christ, what he's telling us is, is that the world lives in a world of reciprocity. And if you just have reciprocity, there's no credit. There again, look at 32. But if you love those who love you, What is that credit to you? For even sinners love those who love them. In other words, if you just have this reciprocal relationship where here in the church as brothers and sisters that we love each other, that's normal. That's normal. That's what we do. And as the world goes out, the world is full of reciprocity. That they build their relationships on, if you love me, I'll love you. If you're my enemy, I'm your enemy. From a world standard, you're not really doing anything special. 
And there's this word credit. Doesn't the word credit imply reward? Reward? And for us to be able to look at Luke 6 and say to ourselves, how possibly can I do this? How can I do this? Because it's not natural. And if I have to be perfectly honest, for me, it is a real challenge. It is a real challenge. How do I do that? The first step is, is recognizing that God is a God of justice and he is a God of reward. At the end of times, those that do not know him will get the justice that they deserve. And you can't possibly live out the commands of Christ In Luke 6, unless you're resting in the power and truth of Christ. But look at verse 35 and what he promises us in Luke 6. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High. There's great reward. There's great reward. Now, I thought God had a sense of humor this morning as we had the professional beggar here at the back door before we started church. How do you balance that out? Well, you do have to have wisdom and discretion, right? I mean, if I give an addict $25 or $50 and he goes and he buys a drug hit. That's not love, is it? So we do have to have discretion. We do have to be good stewards with what God has given us. But our attitude should be such that we love. That we love. See, if I am living in the kingdom of Christ, I have to represent the king. And you do as well. And the king had a sacrificial love. And we're to love so much that it doesn't make sense to the world. And the only way that I can do that is by resting in the fact that God is a God of justice and reward. And Christ is our example in that. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And as you look at Philippians chapter 2, starting in the fifth verse, look at what Paul says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's telling us, have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, And of those under the earth. 
and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let this mind be in you. In other words, my model, my standard for loving isn't my neighbor. My standard for loving is Jesus Christ himself. And it's a sacrificial love. Now that love has to have a purpose. Because Christ loved us for a purpose. He loved us so that we'd be brought into his kingdom. And that should be our purpose as a church, as we love sacrificially. In other words, the church doesn't create a welfare state without a purpose. The church's charity should be based upon bringing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. Kathy and I, it was, it was around Christmas, about this time of the year. It was winter. It was cold. We were going to a church in Gal- Galveston Island at that particular point in time. We were young married. And the church decided that we were going to go out and we were going to give blankets to the homeless there in Galveston Island. And as we gave them the blanket, we were then going to have a track and we were going to give it to them, and we were going to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We were going to witness to the homeless. So they were telling us what we should do, and they were distributing the tracts, and we were listening, and then they opened it up for questions. And this lady raised her hand, and she said, if they don't accept Christ, do they still get the blanket? (laughs) And we've laughed about that for years. And yes, we should love without a condition. Because Christ loved us, didn't he? We need to love. We need to be in the business of loving. Loving without merit. Because there is nothing that I can bring to Jesus Christ and make my case for myself without relying on his blood. In which I have no merit. It's only Christ. In having received a love that is an eternal love, it means that I should love without merit as well. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men but are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. In other words, my friends, God is a God of reward because here in Second Corinthians, this is the believer's judgment. And you might say, well, I... I thought believers aren't judged. Well, you're not judged for your sins, but you're judged for how you've lived your life. There's a judgment. Now, let's think about this in regard to loving when people don't deserve love. I have to recognize that as I, in my small way, in my attempt to mirror the love of Christ that there's going to be justice and reward. 
That's the only way I can do it. Is knowing that God's in control. That we are his ambassadors here on earth. That we're representing him on earth. That I have to reflect Christ in my life. And knowing that when I appear before him. Any time that I have stepped back and I have not fought for my rights. Think about that. Because our society is all about our rights. Whether you're liberal, whether you're conservative, it is my right. It is my right. And what Christ is telling us to do is love sacrificially. And rest in the power that all things are made right by him. It's how we have a sacrificial love. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we just thank you for your wonderful word. And we know and we confess that it is the ultimate challenge to live that life in our own small way that mirrors the magnificent love that we've received from you. I just pray, Lord, that we would be known as a loving people, a caring people. I pray, Lord, that we would reflect your life so that others might come to life and be saved and redeemed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, millcreekchurch.org.